Welcome to Pipeline, Profiles in Philosophy and Education. I'm your host, Winston C. Thompson. Pipeline is a monthly short-form interview program focused on contemporary scholars. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit pipeline.fm. Pipeline is made possible by the generous support of the Education Department of the University of New Hampshire. This episode, we're joined by Kip Klein, Lewis University. Kip, thank you so much for joining us here at Pipeline. Thank you, Winston. It's a pleasure. So, as you're familiar with uh, the shape of our of our program here, um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you got interested in or in, began doing work in philosophy of education. What was what was the genesis of, of that that work for you? Sure, I, I actually had a kind of epiphanal moment, although. Uh, years of, of uh, experiences and, and studying uh, sure. came before that moment. Sure. Um, I did as an undergraduate. I studied theater, and okay. um, but I also took a, a number of philosophy courses and enjoyed them. And uh, I ended up being uh, going into to teaching high school English and okay. theater. And while I was doing that, I was pursuing a master's degree, uh, and. Uh, sort of a general education master's degree. And my first course uh, was philosophy of education with, oh, with Justin Infinito, who okay. uh, had studied at UNC Greensboro. And she was, uh, she was a newly minted PhD, <laughs> young, energetic. And I'll, I'll never forget that I, I was very attracted to the ideas and the, in the course, generally speaking. And, uh, one day, a, a couple months into the course, she said, oh, Kip, you always do that. Huh. And I said, what do you mean I always do that? And she said, you always are getting right at the heart of something important. But for me, I think that moment was the reassurance that this is something that sure. I'm really passionate and sure. interested in. Sure. So, so there was this sense, uh, uh, this confirmation, to use your, your, your word there, mm-hmm, right, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that you were actually getting at something that was important, that was meaningful, that was uh, sort of crucial to the to the analysis. Uh, I, I'm curious. Do you recall uh, uh, what the subject was? Was it was it something that you continued to work on further in your I, career? Or? You know, I don't remember yeah. the exact subject, but I do remember yeah. the readings, and it was. There were two readings that were interestingly juxtaposed mm. because it was Richard Rorty and Cornell West. Okay, right? Yeah. Uh, it's teacher oh, and student sure. kind of thing and pragmatism, neo pragmatism sure. kind of. And it was, uh, I don't remember exactly the arguments, but those were two. Uh, Two figures that uh, I read early and, with her, and and to, to my to my reading of of your work, it seems as though those are figures that have certainly had an impact, uh, absolutely, in, in your thinking. So uh, I wonder if you could sort of describe to our our listeners uh, a bit of the shape of your work. Uh, uh, we might talk a little bit about uh, your early influences, but then mm. what sort of projects did you uh, uh, did you pursue uh, between then and now? Yeah, I I I. I I do see a kind of continuity in my work, even though it mm. maybe uh, on the surface looks a little bit um, uh, disconnected between my early and more more recent work. But I started off with uh, pragmatism, sure, um, and specifically pragmatist aesthetics, sure. and Richard Schusterman, sure, and uh, my early work dealt a lot with Richard Schusterman and Cornell West, yeah, and what I called a sort of 
prophetic pragmatist aesthetics, yeah. right? To bring those two together. I was very interested in um, youth culture, youth aesthetics. Um, and that drove my work for, I would say, the first, through grad school and sure. then the, in the first uh, handful of years of, sure. of my and my scholarly work. Uh, but then I sort of turned to more um, what uh, I would, I think, are, are, are typically considered more postmodern thinkers. Okay. Um, but I use that pragmatism as a sort of, I always talk about that as a kind of a bridge okay. uh, to getting to the postmodernism. And so my most recent work specifically is still on uh, concerns about youth, uh, but um, specifically my work is now using uh, Jean Baudrillard right. and some of his uh, radical social theory. So, 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 uh, I wonder if you could sort of step back for a moment uh, uh, and take our listeners uh, along with you. Now, uh, when you're talking about this sort of prophetic tradition, right, mm-hmm. this, uh, uh, invoking that uh, that language there, um, what, what, how does that then connect to the to this sort of pragmatist uh, and aesthetic uh, uh, intuition? Uh, and why focus on youth? Uh, I wonder if you could just sort of uh, uh, expand on these ideas for us. Yeah. My interest in youth has uh, stems from just having some really raw experiences. I think as a high school teacher, okay. and I, you know, I came out of college. I was 22 years old, and I was teaching high school sure. uh, English to 18 year olds. Sure, and that's a precarious position to sure. be in. But it's, but but in terms of sort of developing particular intellectual interests. I just saw uh, what was happening in terms of what I thought was a, a kind of. Um, I felt like these institutions were doing young people a disservice more so than they were uh, uh, sort of cultivating anything. Sure. Uh, in, and and I, th- I think primarily because. Um, there's a lot of soft violence that happens. I mean, we know about the sure. the more uh, explicit, hard violence that happens to uh, youth, uh, particularly in communities of color. Sure. But, uh, and I taught in a very racially diverse uh, high school my, my first year out of college. Sure. But those experiences taught me that in addition to the violence that we all know about and see on the news, there's all kinds of sort of psychic and soft violence happening uh, in the interaction between adults uh, and, and, and young people in schools. There's all kinds of, uh, I, I think, soft violence done by the system okay. to young people. And I, I've always been interested, but those early experiences sure. teaching yeah. high school really motivated me to do some kind of academic advocacy for oh, young people. Okay. Um, and when it comes to the prophetic and the and the yeah. the prophetic tradition that I found in Cornell West, um, and hooking that up with pragmatism, I mean, he he sure, do, yeah. he does that work himself, course, right? Yeah. And the really the only work I did was to bring his sort of prophetic pragmatism, which I thought was uh, uh, really. Uh, uh, um, Probably uh, the most, it made the most sense Mm. to go that direction given my concerns about youth, right? That I thought the the, uh, prophetic 
hooked up with the with the pragmatist tradition could really have something to say about my uh, particular concerns about yeah. the soft violence to youth. And then the so what I did was I brought Cornell West prophetic pragmatism to aesthetics basically, sure. Sure. and that's the Schusterman and, sure. and the West together, and that. That fueled my work for a, a number of years, and I'm 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 still really proud of that. Yeah, uh, that kind of work. And that aesthetic uh, dimension is a dimension that's not uh, uh, perhaps as readily engaged uh, as some of the other dimensions uh, that we might think of when we think of uh, sort of you know again this uh, the violence yes, but the soft violence in particular. Yeah. I'm curious to know uh, whether you uh, uh, see your earlier interests in theater as perhaps uh, sort of laying the foundation for that aesthetic. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, very, very uh, keen of you to note that. Sure, I, sure. Because I, I, I really, um, I was really interested in understanding what I saw as a, uh, an aesthetic response to the soft violence. I was okay. very, very yeah. interested in young people turning to art and sure. performance. Sure. As a as a vehicle for sort of speaking out against the violence sure. that was directed at them, uh, as an outlet for expressing themselves uh, when they didn't have more formalized routes to doing that sure. in the institutions, and so, um, so I was very. I, 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 there was actually in my dissertation. There was a um, a uh, there was an empirical component where okay. I I did ethnographic work with um, some spoken word artists okay, yeah. and uh, in Chicago uh, we have this what, what has become a huge uh, uh, sort of institution in and of itself sure. it's the louder than a bomb competition okay, the, sure, yeah. the slam poetry competition sure. and it's high school kids in as individuals and as groups huh. doing this kind of really incisive and artful um, performance poetry and it's it's got a kind of aesthetic all of its own and it's powerful and it's you can I I mean I had visceral responses to what this is what what the kind of space that this is allowing for kids you know the psychic emotional and intellectual space that this is allowing for kids, and I was really interested in um, treating that academically, and hopefully getting those ideas out to um, uh, an audience that might have not uh, heard about this yeah. kind of thing before. Oh, interesting! And I, I could imagine that, uh, given some of the uh, current sort of discussions about violence uh, 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 in this country, uh, sort of uh, in a broader sense, uh, that foundational work that you did uh, can sort of uh, connect with a lot of conversations that are perhaps ongoing in the present moment. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder then, uh, to your mind, then thinking of uh, of the future, uh, mm-hmm. what what might be uh, what might be awaiting us? I mean, so you you mentioned your own sort of uh, uh, transition into kind of uh, postmodernism yes. uh, at, at the present moment, and I know that you've got uh, uh, some work uh, uh, soon to come right. uh, uh, on those projects, but uh, what's what's on the horizon then, either for you and your projects, or for the field of philosophy of education a bit more broadly, as we deal with some of these large questions? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually hoping that the answer to both of those questions is the same, okay. because I, okay. have, uh, I have always, I think, tried to in my view, and I don't, I don't say this as a, uh, I don't want to overestimate my 
influence in the field. At any rate, I am hoping that both answers are the same in that I, I hope to influence the field, however yeah. small that influence might be, but I ho- I'm hoping that that influence is in the direction of opening up these new spaces. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've always tried to do that in my, in my career, is to suggest that philosophy of education can actually be hospitable to more thinkers than we do, sure. to it, 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 than we typically do. Sure. A philosophy of education can and should be hospitable to uh, more ideas than it is. And I've always tried to sort of push on things and sort of sit at the margins. And so when I say I've made this transition into the postmodern, uh, and as I said, specifically I'm working with uh, Jean Baudrillard, yeah. and, and the book is actually working with Jean Baudrillard's uh, concept of fatal theory, okay. which is a sort of post-Marxist, post-critical theory way of understanding what's, the, the, what, is, what might be efficacious in terms of critique and mm-hmm. resistance uh, in uh, very late capitalism. Okay, and sure. I'm using that, his uh, fatal theory to... Uh, and uh, to understand the problems of the portrayals of teenagers in American film. Okay. Uh, but that's another way that I'm trying to sort of push the boundaries. I know Baudrillard has been sure. not treated systematically in philosophy of ed, and sure. so I'm trying to um, make arguments as to, yeah. not, not just as to why he gives us, uh, why his work gives us insight into my concerns about youth that sure. I've had all along, but also why uh, he's an appropriate source uh, for the field sure um, uh, to include and to understand uh, some of the, some of the his uh, ideas I think would be fruitful for for the field at large and and uh, I always just like to see new uh, people who maybe even on the margins sure. of their own disciplines of philosophy or sure. sociology sure. that I always uh, enjoy when uh, we get philosophers of education sure. to latch on to some of these more marginal figures because I think of when I think of our field as we we, we kind of have this conversation uh, almost you know it seems every every year mm-hmm. we have some version of the conversation of the relevance of the sure, field of and course. the direction of the field and I know that's been a, a sure. big question uh, with your with your pipeline series yeah. and it's an important question but I guess my I'm trying to give the steady answer that the relevance of the field depends upon in the mm. into the future the relevance of the field in my view depends upon opening up uh, the spaces sure. for more marginal radical thought sure. uh, uh, you know uh, to to include thinkers and figures and ideas that haven't been included before sure uh, at least not systematically, sure. right? Yeah. And so that's 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 sort of where I see both my work and the field going. I mean, I, I, I do I do actually find that not not. I mean, you have people in philosophy of education who are never going to stop writing about Dewey, sure. And that's fine. I sure. think that's actually fine. But I don't think that we should be cultivating everyone sure. who comes doing, into yeah. the field or is new in the field to uh, to, to 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 continually. Uh, rehearse Dewey sure. or Plato sure. uh, or Rousseau, and I think that 
I'm happy for people to do that, and I'm happy sure. for people to continue to do that. But I'm also happy for us to open the conversation. Uh, yes, and new direction. Yes, like and to volitionally encourage that. Yeah, um, and to suggest that this, that that our field can remain viable by doing that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, th- uh, thank you so much, uh, Kip. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the, that really is a, uh, uh, to my mind, a very fruitful response, and it's a hopeful way forward. I mean, uh, as I hear your remarks about sort of uh, thinking through, you know, uh, postmodern uh, approaches to uh, uh, sort of studying the portrayal of youth in film, right? Mm-hmm. As we start to think about the ways in which uh, film might sort of uh, reveal to us the ways that we're thinking about young people, but also influence the way that we uh, then respond to young people. I mean, uh, there's a, a quite clear sense of the educational uh, importance of so doing, uh, I, I guess I, I find myself being uh, uh, very encouraged to think about uh, ways in which we might begin to pose some of the enduring questions of philosophy of education anew and press them into new contexts. Absolutely. I think that I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say. And I yeah. think not, a, not just press the enduring questions into new contexts, yeah. but also to press ourselves into new questions. New questions as well. Yeah. New questions and new descriptive arguments about the world. This is yeah. my draw to postmodernism, and I yeah. always try to make this distinction too. I don't. I'm not a celebratory postmodernist okay. in the sense of here. Here are the sort of standard sure. postmodern descriptions of, descriptions of the world, and that's great. You sure. know, then, I'm sure. at, it's actually. That's why I latched on to Baudrillard because his he is often sort of pegged as a postmodern, poststructural thinker. But it's he's 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 in the same sort of um, what I would consider mold as Lyotard or Foucault, sure. where poststructuralism or postmodernism, as applied to these, in my reading of of, of these figures, sure, is. Yep. It's a. It's still a critique, yeah. right? It's a critique of the status quo, but it's using different uh, descriptive arguments about the world than more modern thinkers would uh, have used. Sure. And so, yes, new context for the old questions. Sure. Yes, new questions. Sure. New descriptions of the world. Sure. Uh, new ways of understanding what's happening around us and I think that's also another draw for me to Baudrillard because uh, he, he wrote so many what I would consider prescient critiques mm. of the sort of trajectory of the world with regard to reality television and sure, social media that he anticipated uh, some of the ways in which that the, these developments ha- uh, have impinged on our ability to have the sort of hot, messy, proximal sure. relations yeah. with other human beings. And, and so uh, I think that sort of anticipatory work is, is attractive to me because, I, again, I think I, I have a sense of the need for that kind of thinking in our field. Kip Klein, thank you so much for sitting and chatting with us. It's really been a pleasure. And for me, Winston, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. For more information and to review previous episodes, please visit www.pipeline.fm. A very special thanks to Moby for use of his song Summer as our theme.